0: What's up my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and our guest. So let's do this. My guest today is a brother by the name of Ryan Rodriguez He's the host of the podcast and website, Ignited Firefighter, and he and I had a great conversation about a bunch of different things. We talked about ego, we talked about building team, we talked about setting boundaries. It was a tremendous conversation, and I hope you enjoy. So, Ryan, thank you so much. It's so good to have you uh, to sit down and talk. I know we had the opportunity to wrap on your podcast, um, the Ignited Firefighter, and um I wanted to, to extend that conversation and, yeah. and flip the script a little bit on you and put you in the hot seat and uh, have a conversation on the other side. So, so tell me a little bit about you know we're gonna I want to talk about Ignited Firefighter for sure and talk about physical and mental wellness and talk about your podcast and and the uh, Ignited Recruit Academy that you're doing right. I want to talk about all that stuff, but before we do that, I want to talk about you a little bit and tell me how where you're from how you ended up here and a little bit about your journey. All right, man. And, he, and we touched on this before we start hit record, but I want to talk about your modeling experience <laughs> that you had. So, so please.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. This is going to be awesome. I know we'll always have a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of things going on, you and I, so this will be great to kind of mesh it all together. Um, So Arizona native, born and raised. It's and far between the more people I talk to the more
0: yeah most people are, are rare that yeah, is
1: our transplants yeah yeah and so and the area I work out in the far east valley everybody's a transplant so you know and especially during the the cooler months of the year <laughs> we get a lot of snowbirds out there so oh yeah but uh yeah I graduated Dobson in 99 which makes me sound super old but uh doesn't feel that old <laughs> it's hard when it comes out of your mouth right you're like "Ooh, that was a long time ago. like the numbers just fall through your mind like a beautiful mind yeah. and you're i'll help you, you get feel better the... i graduated in 90 <laughs> feel better yeah, feel yeah. better about yourself right yeah thanks for making me feel good that's that's awesome um but uh yeah so then i actually uh didn't know that i wanted to become a firefighter until my senior year of high school and i feel like that's pretty young to find out is it Okay, well, in my opinion, I mean, I didn't, I didn't figure it
0: out till I was 27. Oh, okay. But it's oh I, I don't,
1: I don't feel so late in the game. Yeah. Then. No, I feel okay.
0: like people who are like, oh, I always knew from the moment yeah, yeah. I had memories. And I'm like, I don't, I can't identify.
1: That, yeah. Same. Same. And well, so what the, turned lot, you
0: on to it though? in your you know, as you're graduating.
1: So yeah, a lot of the people I talked to were like, oh, ever since I was five, I wanted to be a friend. I'm like, oh boy, that's not my story. Yeah. But um, so I had the opportunity in my senior year, I could graduate a semester early. I had enough credits. I could either graduate a semester early or I could take like two half semesters and graduate with everybody else. Okay. And I was like, I'll just do that. I'll take my morning classes and then have my afternoon open. And at the time, I'd worked at a movie theater, which didn't open until like 6 p.m. So then I had a big gap in between. I was like, well, let's fill my time with something. Like it's coming down to it. I'm going to graduate, be out on my own, figure out what I want to do. And so then I started looking at the Technical schools. So I looked at EVIT, and I was looking through their different programs, and I was like, oh, radio, that's cool, this and that. And uh, and then I found the fire science one, and I was like, ooh, that sounds fun. Like, it just sounded fun to me. And what, for those who are uninitiated, what's EVIT? Oh, EVIT, East Valley Institute of Technology. So it's a technical school, big campus. I think there's like two or three campuses now. Yeah, but, and it's uh, it's tar- if I'm not mistaken, it's targeted to high school kids, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, targeted to high school kids, um, for basically just like me that had some open afternoon, or it even actually like fulfilled an elective element. But um, that they have everything there. They've got like their own restaurant where they teach you how to manage it, how to run it, how to cook, all of that stuff. They've got their own salons with like uh, skincare stuff, nail salons. All they basically teach you all of these trades that uh aren't so readily available to to younger people like people coming out of high school um i'm a big fan of mike Rowe, and he's a big fan a big proponent of trades you know as you may know but uh he is really encouraging people to explore that and uh so i i did that uh, i explored it and i was like why not uh, go get dirty and have some fun and play yeah. around and and the opportunities that they provided were, was just so amazing. They had a police uh, or a law enforcement element. There was a fire service element. There's like automobile repair, all of it. Anything you could ever want to do with your hands, hmm. they have
0: Be- it. Before you stumbled across that, did you have a vision for what your future might look like?
1: You know, I would really been interested in architecture. I, started, I took a lot of drafting classes in high school. I was a naturally talented artist growing up and I would enter art shows and I would win them. And it was just fun for me. Um, and then I really got into architecture, like Frank Lloyd Wright style stuff, modernism. And, uh, that's really where I thought I was going to go. Hmm. And my dad was a civil engineer for a long time and he drew a lot of the, the overpasses here in Phoenix. So like all those pretzel over, like yeah, he was involved in a lot of those. Um, and so I was able to, when I was younger, visit him at work and play with his his drawing utensils and his tools and everything. And It inspired me to kind of want to follow that, but maybe in like the residential side, mm-hmm. not necessarily like civil engineer. But um, so I did this to kind of like scratch an itch to just kind of get my hands dirty and do something physical. And man, it was like the first week in class i was like this is it
0: really this what, is the thing what stood out to you
1: it was that perfect marriage of uh civilize the mind make savage the body okay it was that perfect marriage of it and it was like we're studying all of these different scientific aspects of fire and fire behavior and and all of these different chemical elements that make up this 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 element itself this natural element and then we put our gear on and we go kick some doors in and crawl around and spray it out and you know, all the fun stuff. <laughs> right. But it was like stimulating on both ends. Right. And so I was like, oh man, this is it. This is the thing. This is what I'm going to do. And um, I did really well in that program. And being my senior year, it was actually a two-year program. And I asked and got special permission from the instructor to do the two-year program in one year. And so I I was like doubling up my work. But Could you have time on your hands? <laughs> yeah, right. All that afternoon, but for me, it wasn't. I don't want to say difficult. It was just exciting for me to add that on because I, I was so into it mm. that it didn't really seem like extra work. Right. It was just like I couldn't get enough of the knowledge. I couldn't get enough of the skill set. Hmm. And uh, so in the in the
0: EVIT program, so to me, it's like this high school program mm-hmm. that 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 lower level. So you're not really doing like a full EMT or Right. full fire science program. So what type of stuff
1: were they introducing you to? Was it all just like introductory 100 level type stuff? There was a lot of that, but there was a lot of hands-on too that was surprising to me that it was at the level that it was at. Hmm. So um, I was the first class in the new facility, which is on Main Street and Mesa, like between Dobson and Alma School. Hmm. And it, it was impressive. Um, it was a whole, it was like a mini, like you have the, the grinder out here, uh, with the tower and the the concrete pad and everything, and it was like a mini version of that like we had like a mini tower and um uh, a concrete pad where we were able to like stretch lines. we had an old engine that we could use to pump and stuff, and so like it was hands on you know we had a lot of older stuff, but it was very hands on in the afternoon like in the morning was more didactic stuff mm-hmm. and then we'd get out on the grinder we'd get out on the on the grounds and just put hands to hose and, and go through the evolutions and all of that stuff. So yeah, it was cool. Really cool.
0: Yeah. So it set the hook for you. Oh yeah. And, uh, what was your journey like after that?
1: Oh man. So after that, I didn't really have anybody to help guide me into the fire service. I didn't have family or friends or anything like that, but I was just testing everywhere, testing with every department I could just jumping in. Cause you know, what better way to to learn and find out than just put yourself through the process <laughs> and figure it out and that's yeah. what i had to do
0: well coming out of that class did they have any i mean it must have given you some direction as far as yeah here, here's what the process <clears throat> look like here's some of the things you can expect
1: yeah there was a good um a good portion of it where we actually would do practice interviews hmm. and we would um we would kind of take mock tests and stuff so that program i can't speak highly of it enough it was it really set me up for success, and I was able to hit the ground running in a lot of these instances in regards to testing or even volunteering at yeah. different different departments. So that was really cool. Um, but so I still had a lot to learn, a lot to learn.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. You
0: know, it's funny. I, I find myself saying this a lot lately. as I'm thinking about the trajectory of one's career, right? You start off with so little information at the very beginning, and it's just a long timeline. And along that way, if you you continue to lean in and continue to invest, you're just going to continue. You just grow, 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 grow. And no matter what stage you are in your career or where you are in your career, you're going to grab uh, new information. You're going to grow. And that's the other thing. Total side note, but the fire service is always evolving. Oh yeah, and you know we talk about change a lot, but that's that's why it's so important to be engaged and continue to grow. Because I look back and go, man, I knew so little. Yeah, at the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I know
0: I know this much more. You know, I'm you know pinching my fingers up here just a yeah. little tiny pinch. You know, I know it's just a little bit more, but there's so much more I can you know yeah. learn and grow.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, and our careers are so concentrated. Yeah, that things change so fast you know I, I mean you can mm. retire after 20 years most guys will stay to 25 or 30 but that's a even that that's still a short career in, yeah. relatively speaking yeah. Towards you know in regards to what well, the majority of the people on the planet are working
0: have you experienced this and this is maybe this is a fire service thing and i don't know if i experienced it anywhere else but we have a tendency to look at somebody who has 10 12 years on ago ah, they're still a rookie I know. Like, they crazy. just don't like, they don't have any seasoning. Yeah. Right. And I'm wondering why that is. I think about like, yeah. cause it takes a long time to yeah. really develop your skills because things are evolving and changing yeah. and, and the demands are growing and, and you may not get the
1: call volume. Yeah, it's true. I was sitting with my crew and we have a, a crew of guys who've been on like over 20 years, myself who've been on about 15, some who've been on eight and some guys who've been hired two or three classes after that. And the guy who's been on for like eight to 10 years was called a new guy the other day. And I was like, this is weird. Like he, there are three more academies or four more academies after him. And some people are still considering him a new guy. But why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's the time is relative thing, Mm -hmm. you know, with, like I said, with our, our careers being so concentrated that typically as like our private lives just go as normal, right? Right. And so we have children, we go in and out of marriages or whatever, but our kids grow and everything at a normal pace, quote unquote normal pace. (laughs) And then we go to work and it's so concentrated and fast that it almost passes faster. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. So like um, I started, when I started, I met one of my senior firefighters kids, his daughter, and she was like, you know, six. And I just, I just had him work on my crew again the other day for an overtime shift. And he was talking about how, yeah, she's going through her like second year of college and this and that. And it seems to go so quick. And you're like, man, I can remember (laughs) when she was six and playing with Barbies. yeah, And now she's like doing all kinds of stuff in college and graduating and Creating your own life and it just, it, it seems to go very fast. Yeah.
0: Hmm. That's an interesting, interesting. I know that the older you get to the faster things seem to move. Yeah. Right. Yeah, And, um, you know, the, the, the focus grind of day-to-day work, I think, um, is an accelerant. Mm-hmm. Plus some of the stuff that we do is somewhat routine. So there's a blend, right? It blends into. Yeah you know, one event to the next and mm-hmm. pretty soon time is a pass and you have
1: no idea how much it really was. Yeah. I remember uh when I would when I was younger I would feel bored or say, I'm bored and it's like that's <laughs> never a thing anymore. <laughs> you know, like you used to wait so long for Christmas to come around. And now it's like here right, and gone. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a good point. Now yeah. it's funny you say that. I remember or birthdays. Mom,
0: I remember my mom saying <laughs> my mom saying to me, You're only bored if you're boring.
1: True. And I was like,
0: that's, what? That's a My good My mom one. was punking me out when I was a kid. I didn't even realize it until, <laughs> uh, I, that's until awesome, I was dude. an adult. I'm going to have to have, her and I need to talk. That's great. I'm having memories now. <laughs> I have to go back and chat with her about that. <laughs> so so how old were you when you finally landed a, uh,
1: a full-time job? Well, like I said, when I graduated, uh, at 18, I started testing as many, as many places as I could. Everywhere. I did a little volunteer work in Black Canyon. Um and then I didn't get picked up full time until I was 25. Nice. It was, it was a little on the long. So you side, did some.
0: So you were doing some reserve stuff and part time, yeah. and okay.
1: Yeah, I was trying to volunteer and just trying to get some experience and understand the flow of the firehouse and and how I could fit in and what things I could do to stand out to contribute. Hmm. Um, so that when I was interviewing, you know, I could have some things to talk about, but I could also have a perspective of like. I'm not just getting hired to serve the community. I'm, I'm trying to get hired to serve the people that I'm working with, you know, and I wanted right. to try to gain that perspective. So let me ask you about that because that's
0: one of the things that I think is a challenge for a would-be firefighter who's in the interview process. It's articulating your experiences up to that point in your life. And how does that relate to the organization, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, you talked about, you know, understanding the flow of the work cycle in the firehouse, et cetera, So how do you take, you know, when you're 19, 20 years old and you, you have a, let's be honest, like little to nothing, limited life experience at that point. Right. How do you, how do
1: you express to an organization that you actually get it? Yeah. And you're the candidate. It's tough, man. That's, that's the, that's the magic formula really, isn't it? I mean, it's trying to learn how to communicate that. And the, the more I've been in this career and the more I've been a part of Hiring processes and training opportunities and training processes for new people, the more I have learned that storytelling helps mm-hmm. a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. Um, because I'm sure you've been on interview panels and everybody, you know, you ask the question, what does integrity mean to you? And, you know, and so everybody has this canned answer. Right. But if someone can tell me a story about something that Helps support the principle they're trying to explain. Yeah. Oh man, I'm going to remember that. Right. I'm going to remember that This It's going to set you apart. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, so that's interesting. It's an interesting challenge because when you're 19 years old and you don't have a lot of stories to draw from, True. you know, I think that you have to, I think you brought up a good point, which is understanding what the organization expects of you. Yeah. So if you understand what the job is. And then you say, man, like, oh, well, let's use an example customer service as mm-hmm. an example, right? We all know that, well, if you don't know, listen to me now, right? <laughs> customer, the the, organis- the fire department will typically expect you to want to provide good customer service. Do you agree? Absolutely. Okay. So you ha- at some point in your life, leading to this point, you've experienced customer service in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. Good so, or bad yeah right both right and and either way there's an example there so i think that learning to draw from the experience that you have had Mm -hmm. so i have like uh young men who uh were boy scouts Mm -hmm. and they're like hey i had i i you know learned things in these had experiences in the wilderness or went on these campouts and did hard things hey man that's an example you can draw from and um you know your dad made you go out and you know Stack and restack piles of wood when yeah. you're, you know, chopping lumber. Or Chop
1: wood, carry water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. So there's examples in yeah. that.
1: It's true. Um, and even with the limited experience you have, if you can tell me a story that has meaning within those parameters of your limited experience, mm-hmm. you're gonna stand out. Yeah. And and honestly, I I didn't really like reading a lot when I was a kid, but once I got to be a teenager, I, I really dove into books and that helped me big time big time trying to relay messages and communicate how I saw the world or didn't see the world or what I thought about politics or anything out there. It, It really helped add to my repertoire of things to talk about. And so even though my experience might not be, you know, that of a guy who's been living life 10 years more than I have, I can still talk about those things that I've experienced through reading or traveling, or, you know, all of these different little things. But everybody has their unique life experience. And I think, like you said, being able to draw on that and bring something out of that and leave it on the table Mm -hmm. that that people are going to look at and be like, wow, that's unique. That right there is the, that's the challenge, ultimately. Yeah, because you're
0: (laughs) you're the only person who's had that experience. Exactly. It's your unique experience. Exactly, And I think that's what, what, what's, mind numbing when you're sitting on a board is listening to people who are repeating. And you said yes. this the cookie cutter story that they picked up, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a mentorship group or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so everybody is saying the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. I I really want to serve the community. I really want to fight fire. Yeah. But tell me why that value is important to you. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's the, that is uh, what can really separate you out. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I found that to be the case, like throughout my career, career as i've promoted and done other things it's the same thing i still have a unique perspective Absolutely. and bringing that perspective to bear in the organization is really important yeah. if i sound like every other you know autonomon out there we're all gonna you know do the exact same thing uh, that's not you know not gonna work yeah organizationally so you got you found your way onto the job and um you know 25 years old i was 27 so i i feel like uh that's a great age. You have you've grown up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You have a little bit of life experience mm-hmm. and you get on the job. And now what's fifteen years later? Yeah. How's that? Quick. <laughs>
1: Quick, man. <laughs> I, I had gotten hired with a smaller department in the Gila County area. And I worked there for about eighteen months full time and then got picked up in the valley where I live. And I live in the East Valley. And uh the, the amazing thing about going to work going to work for like a rural area, a smaller department with rural resources is that you really do have to be super resourceful like i was on a two-man rescue most of my time there and we would get instances where we would have like five patients and it was just our unit you know on a on a rollover on the snowy highway and it's like you have to figure it out you know you don't get the call for a helicopter you don't get the call for three more engines you don't get the call for this you better figure it out and same goes for fires. You know, we don't necessarily have the the water resource, the plugs ready right there. We have to. We have a limited tender that we might have. <laughs> you got to figure it out. But it was really fortunate. I was really fortunate in that I was able to have that experience and then get hired down here and just hit the ground running. Yeah. It was. It was awesome. Yeah. It you mean, really helped. Yeah, me Yeah. You out.
0: could say hey, you mean to tell me if I just key this mic. Yeah. <laughs> there's resources coming. Yeah. And they're just down the street.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was great. And then being on like four man engine trucks and engine companies and stuff and five man ladders even sometimes. Right. And, and, uh, when we would have, when we would be compromised or whatever, go down to three man, people would be like, how are we supposed to do this? And I'm like, (laughs) wow, this is, I'm feeling like I'm living large with three people here. This is great.
0: Yeah. It's important. I, I had the opportunity to sit on a, an ifs book and we went back and had a, a conference and all met together and meeting with people from all these different agencies, mm-hmm. and we're talking about uh, it was the fundamentals uh, firefighter book that okay. we're, we're rewriting right now. Nice, and uh, yeah, it's cool. It's a really neat opportunity. Yeah. Super cool. But to hear the different perspectives, right? At one point, someone's like, "Well, you know, something, something about a first alarm," yeah. and and I'm like, "Well, what's a first alarm to you?" How versus, do you define it? Yeah. yeah. So the the dichotomy between major metro and rural uh, rural fire department is very big difference in yeah. resource capacities and and then the the tools and skills that you need to have as an individual firefighter to be able to manage that it's very different and uh yeah very really interesting experience to, to talk to guys about that and and hear their perspective
1: yeah and adaptability is the name of the game right i mean whether any any department across this country and or even across the world whether it's volunteer or paid whatever adaptability is uh is huge mm-hmm. and everybody's gonna bring their own unique sense of that to the pool right and it's cool to, it's cool to watch like well how's this guy gonna how's this guy gonna adapt to this situation how's this girl gonna make you know changes or adapt to this and right it's interesting to watch it's like yeah. a it's like a study in human behavior <laughs> you know like <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh so so how has your experience and the adaptability that you developed affected your the rest of your career once you got into a
1: into the metro area man it helped out so much um I felt like I was able to learn a lot from from those guys in that smaller organization Uh, and they really set me up for success in that they would show me things that they were doing for years and then I was able to bring that with me and so I think it was like two weeks on my academy down here was only a, a seven week academy. It wasn't the traditional like sixteen week or so. Was that because you already had Fire One and Two? Yep, that's exactly why. I already had Fire One and Two, and the group of guys I went through, we all had it, and they needed people now, and so I was fortunate enough to go through like a concentrated academy. Um, but I think it was like three months in, we had our engineer ride into the hospital on a. He was the, he was our medic. I had a BLS captain, a BLS firefighter. I was ALS, and then my engineer was ALS. And he wrote in on like a code or something, and within minutes we got a structure fire. And my guy in the back uh, is not cleared to drive. And so my captain looked at me. He's like, hey, can you drive this thing to the fire? And I'm like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, we get there, and he's like, can you pump it? I'm like, yep. And so with three guys... I was able to drive the truck there, pump the fire without a problem. And we knocked it out before the second new engine even showed up with three guys. And and it really helped me feel confident in my abilities, but it helped my crew look at me and be like, okay, we can trust this guy, yeah. you know, three weeks out of the, the shortened academy, because you do have that when you're a new guy, you have that at least a year probationary period where you're trying to gain trust and you're trying to prove to people that you can do the job and that, you know, they shouldn't regret hiring you. <laughs> <laughs> but that was really it really helped me in my situation. It helped me mm. feel that confidence and understand that, you know, I I can do this. I can hang with these big boys and and then so, it helped them trust me a lot sooner. Yeah, that that word trust is such a big deal dude like Huge. in in
0: high risk work groups such as uh, the fire department right engine companies being that small unit right the trust that exists between the operators is so freaking critical yeah. um i have to know that you have my back and not just like words right i need to f- know that there's a certain skill set that you possess that you bring to the table and that <laughs> i can rely on you mm-hmm. to execute when when shit gets real yep and that's a that is such a big important part Uh, of that matrix, um, you know, and I will say this too, uh, and this is comes from a personal experience where, uh, we got, got burned not literally, but the situation we got burned in, um, dude comes in, engineers off for a while, acting captain says, Hey, uh, can, can either one of you guys drive this thing? Mm Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, well, I go, yeah, but if we can go over the pump because I've been taught how to do it, but I don't have a lot of exposure to it. So I really would. The other, and the other firefighter goes, I got it. <laughs> 30 minutes later, we get a garbage truck fire. I'm not sure if I've told this story it never before, fails, but man. It sure never the, fails. But I'm going to tell the story now. And uh, I pull the line and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. And I turn and I look back and there's two dingbats standing at the pump oh, panel trying to figure out how to get water to come down the line. And I was freaking livid. Yeah. If we'd have just spent five minutes on the apron and figured out how to operate the truck, but no, this cat's ego got in the way. And, uh, you know, as they, as Bruno Sini used to say, ego eats brains. Absolutely. And this is a great example of that. And guess who didn't have any trust? Yep. (laughs) All there, any potential trust that existed for me and that guy,
1: gone. Gone. And then not only that, like he's going to have to work that much harder to reestablish just to baseline. Yeah. Like just to yeah. get back to baseline.
0: Yeah. So I think that that honesty and demonstration of skill. So one of the things that's interesting is you talked about, you know, being having the skill set and then being able to step up and execute on it, right? Yeah. When it was needed. And that's really, really important. That that transactive um, opportunity is mm-hmm. so important to building teams. Mm-hmm. So You know, if you're sitting around and you're waiting for something to happen so that you can demonstrate your skill set, you're waiting, right? You have to seize opportunities to train and to go out and do stuff. And, you know, company officers and, and fire, you know, anybody, anybody in the station needs to lead the opportunity for cross training, you know, to build capacity in your folks. Because when you do that, A, you're increasing their capabilities on one hand, but,
1: but more importantly, you're actually,
0: uh, going out as a team and building capacity in your team
1: yeah 100 percent, man um and and like you said if you would have just if they would have just spent five minutes on the apron literally creating that opportunity mm-hmm. literally creating the opportunity to gain the trust it, that would have changed this whole story <laughs> yeah i wouldn't have a story anymore my story wouldn't story. be a
0: story because nobody wants to hear about a garbage truck fire <laughs> right. it would be nothing
1: uh but but And that goes hand in hand with training. And I think a lot of times people hear the word training and they're like, oh, here we go. We're going to pull hose again. We're going to do this again. And it's like, it's more than that. What you're doing is you're creating an opportunity to build that trust. Yes. Because after you perform that training, whatever it is, you're going to talk about it inherently. Mm -hmm. You're you're always going to talk about it. Hey, did you see this? Or did you see how this flaked out? Or what do you think about this? Or what was it that was holding up? Me getting water to the end of the line. Oh, it was this thing. You know, everybody's going to talk about it. So I can't agree with you more, man. Create those opportunities every chance you get. Yeah. So tell me, as a
0: uh, as a senior firefighter, oh man, what is what's the most important thing? I know we just talked about trust. So you can't go there. Yeah. We just talk- <laughs> we just covered that. So <laughs> yeah. second most important thing. <laughs> what as a senior firefighter? What are some of the things that are important to you?
1: In your day-to-days? Day-to-days. Um, honestly, I I am of the mindset that regardless of time on or rank or certification, because some people treat certification like a rank, which we'll probably mm-hmm. talk about later because that's a huge pet peeve of mine. But um, I don't think anybody is above the most menial task at a firehouse. So captain, whoever, engineer, whatever, however however many years you've been there, you're not above cleaning a toilet. Like you're not above picking up a piece of garbage. You're not above this. And so when we get new guys that come to the station and if regardless of whether they're not there, medic students or EMT students, or maybe they're even our, our own probationary guy, I like to sit with them and be like, Hey man, tell me your story, you know, or tell me about your life? Tell me this. And, and let's, this is how today's going to go. And we're just going to mop and we're, you know, give them the highlights, but I don't want them to feel like they need to be constantly serving me, you know, Mm. because that's like a whole ego in and of itself. And I hated that. I hated that going into this. And, um, a side note, there's a, actually this story goes along with it because there's a captain I know who works for an organization who, he his the the stories I heard from him were just horrible the way he was treated as mm. a probationary firefighter. And he got to the point where he was so frustrated, he's like, Do I even want to do this anymore? Like, do I even want to be here? And uh he was treated horribly. And then uh he came off his probationary year, uh, climbed the ranks, became a captain, and then when his probationary firefighters would come on, he would treat them the same way. Mm. And I'm like, Bro. Why are you doing that? You told me how much you hated it, how much you questioned yourself, questioned your life, your livelihood, whether or not you even wanted to do this anymore. And all you're doing is you're continuing the cycle. Why wouldn't you break that? What was his response? And he totally didn't even realize that that's what he was doing. It was almost like auto-programmed. And he was like, you are right. I can't believe. Mm. He's like, this makes me sick that I did this. And, and I wasn't calling him out to be like, Hey, you're a jerk. I was like, buddy, you have sat with me and told me these stories. Do you realize that this is what's happening? And he honestly didn't to his credit. He honestly didn't realize it. Um, and I, I just, I love the idea that to kind of get back on track, no matter where we're at in our career, rank office, whatever, we can still do the most menial things, Mm -hmm. you know? And to me that, is a huge example of leading by example, huge. I had a chief officer who was teaching my customer service class and uh, he was the chief of a local fire department here. And it was like his last week as the chief and we were finishing out our class and we were, we went on a break and he had just come from a meeting. He was in his white shirt, his gold badge, you know, and he's given this class. And even after that many years, he's still like teaching and Mm -hmm. giving back to the, the community in that way but um on our break i i go outside and kind of stretch a little bit and i see him he's walking around the grounds which is one of his stations where the class was being held and he's picking up garbage with his hands Mm -hmm. and i'm like this is the this is the chief doing this and we have guys who are like two years on who think nah that's below that's below me and to me that's like the you know that's the number one thing that I want to see in the people that I work with. But I would hope that I communicate through example is that humility that it takes to do that. And that I, I just can't afford ego. I just can't afford it. You know what I mean? It's too expensive for my, for me. (laughs) What do you mean by that? So when, when you see like, um, well, I'm a, I'm a certified personal trainer as well. And I'm, I'm a Pure fitness trainer for, for my organization. And when you see people, for example, like let's say lifting with their egos, what happens? They get injured. Mm. They get injured. I can't afford that. I can't afford the time off the truck that, and I don't want to pay that price, you know, because that injury is going to be with me for the rest of my life. I don't want to pay that. And so I would rather just keep functional, keep lightweight, keep in shape, and not necessarily be able to bench press an elephant, you know, as long as I can perform. Perform strong. My crew knows that I'm a, an asset, not a liability. That's, that's what I'm willing to pay. I'm not willing to pay the price for that ego.
0: Interesting. You know, as you said that it, it reminded me that when we let our ego get in the way, we shut ourselves off from opportunities for learning. Absolutely. And I, I realized that we're surrounded by people who have amazing experiences and amazing knowledge and why would you not make yourself available to that yeah somehow you think you're it's going to hurt you right like it's going to make you less than yeah no and you know and organizationally this is something that happens in every organization Mm -hmm. you know we have we have folks who are in positions of authority and then you have folks coming up behind them who have all kinds of interesting ideas Mm -hmm. and 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 knowledge and, and experience and whatever. And so we have to be willing to allow folks to share their thoughts and ideas as a way to nurture and develop them, but also as a way to get their cool ideas on the table. Yeah. Because, you know, just because you end up in a, in a position of responsibility doesn't mean you have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Your job is to facilitate the figuring out for those who have cool ideas. Right. And I'm thinking about a friend of mine who's just really smart cat. And, uh, and I'm like, dude, if I could get his brain plugged into everybody, like, just so many interesting ideas come out of his head. Um, and it, so it's important to to make uh, make those ideas available to the organization. And uh,
1: anyway, yeah, I, I, and I, use your people for for those things that they're talented in. Yeah, right. Like that guy you were talking about plugging his brain. In. Yeah, using those people. And and there's the word diversity gets thrown out a lot mm-hmm. lately. And and I think a lot of people don't really understand what it means and for me we have a good example of what that looks like on the fire truck template so you've got your captain you've got your engineer and your two firefighters in the back right and and they're all EMTs at least two of them are paramedics but everybody has a different role Mm -hmm. right and so everybody's a specialist in something Mm. it's not just a bunch of guys who know everything about all the same things so Um, I was asked if I'm going to like test for promotion and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm interested in testing for captain. And they're like, well, not engineer. And I'm like, not really. I, I used to drive trucks for, you know, before I got hired and it just doesn't appeal to me to, to be responsible for the truck and stand outside and pump the fire. Like I can do it. It's just something that doesn't particularly appeal to me. And, uh, but I can be responsible for the guy responsible for the fire truck. I can, and, and if somebody were to come to me and be like, Hey, let me ask you about these, you know, pump equations and this and that and pressures and all this stuff. I can be like, I know the perfect guy for that.
0: He's right right here, you
1: know, and, and I can facilitate that. But going back to the idea of us being specialists, um, you know, there may be a guy in the truck who came from a framing background who knows a crap ton about building construction. And then there could be a guy who, goes river rafting a lot, who knows a lot about swift water or whatever. And it's all these little different backgrounds that are pieced together. These people all get put on this fire truck. And it's such a travesty to me when people go like, we cycle our bids every two years, but sometimes you're with a truck for 15 years. Some people do 20 years on the same truck. And it's crazy to me when those people still don't know the guy that's sitting next to them. Mm -hmm. They still don't know him. They know his name, but they don't know anything else about him. They don't know
0: yeah. what
1: he's interested in, what his talents are, all the other things that make him like truly diverse.
0: Yeah. What do you think
1: limits that? Uh, honestly, I think ego does. Mm. I think ego does. and And sometimes there's a whole vulnerability issue as well, which I think kind of goes hand in hand with yeah. ego. But in our field, we have a lot of people who aren't, Necessarily well versed on being vulnerable, you know, we got a lot of Type A personalities, strong. I'm not the weak one, and this and that, and so they don't want to show any of that. But honestly, to me, it's like being able to do that and step outside that comfort zone is what's gonna is what makes you stronger. Yeah, like in the end. Well, when you, because let me ask you
0: this: this is kind of a hard question. I think it's hard for me, anyways. What does it mean to be vulnerable
1: to you? I think for well for me it means that you're willing to be open now that's kind of like a you're willing to be open dot 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 <laughs> you know what I mean because it could be emo- it depending on the individual it could be emotionally it could be physically hmm. it could be uh relation and relationship wise you know um being vulnerable to new experiences right you know if you have the guy who eats steak and potatoes every night for 20 years and doesn't want anything different and then you serve him up some salmon he's gonna look at you weird and cause a problem or he's gonna take that opportunity to be vulnerable to try something new Hmm. you know Mm -hmm. or be vulnerable and say hey bro
0: (laughs) i really don't do salmon Right, like it's yeah, yeah. and that, even
1: that, that, that's a, even that's a vulnerability because he's saying. opening up and communicating.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I love that question because I think, it, first of all, the topic of vulnerability is something that we don't really delve into, right? right. We don't like to be vulnerable yeah. in the fire service, and I'm I mean, I'm taking this with a broad stroke. I know yeah. there's people out there who it doesn't apply to, but right. there's a there's a great conversation between um, uh, an author and speaker, Brené Brown, yeah, and uh, Simon Sinek. They did a podcast together, and she asked him. What was vulnerability? And he said, and this is a quote from Simon Sinek, he said, giving someone the power to destroy you and trusting they won't use it. That's great, man. And I think of, so this kind of takes me right back to our organizational issues, right? Um, if you if you have so, a backseat partner and you're supposed to have this relationship of trust and you're willing to be vulnerable with them, your trust is going to be magnified because yeah. you're giving them your life yeah. on one hand, right? literally on a lot of different levels. Yeah. And you're also saying, "Hey, my heart is here. I'm being vulnerable with you as well." And sometimes that's like exposing ourselves to, you know, scabs and letting them pick our scabs and Yeah. And I don't mean it's that true. literally. That's mean, true. metaphorically, but you know, being open to each other. Yeah. And uh, you know, when you go organizationally, it's that boss letting the young the young player show up and ask questions yeah, and ask exactly. hard questions and we engage them in that. So, yeah. Tell me, ask me more, tell me more. Mm-hmm. What do you need to know? And and then being able to say, wow, I didn't know
1: that. Or that's, yeah, that's new. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it, I think it goes across the board. We our our profession is unique. Obviously we, we spend a third of our lives with, with people that we otherwise, well that we allow the organization to tell us to spend that time with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Um, yeah. I mean, unless you bid somewhere, but ultimately the organization is like, all right, here you are for your third of your life and figure it out. Right. And uh, a lot of or- other organizations are, are kind of waking up to this whole vulnerability issue. Um, you mentioned Brene Brown and she's like the authority yeah. on that. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of organizations are embracing that. I am I'm always leery of people who take it to extremes Mm -hmm. because, you know, as we should be leery of that because then it kind of gets a little dangerous and it kind of gets, you know, you become maybe dependent or obsessive and then it just kind of bleeds into something else. But
0: (laughs) Well, vulnerability is not the same thing as oversharing. True. Right? True. And I think that like yep, it can get weird when people are like, (laughs) well, I just want to tell you everything in my heart. Vulnerability is saying, hey, dude, I'm willing to set a boundary here, which is – I don't want to talk about X yes. or whatever. So I think that's like, that's, it's a, it, it, it involves being willing to say what you're willing to do as well. You know yeah. what you will and will not talk about or will and will not engage in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, brought, until the trust is built, right? Yeah.
1: You brought up boundaries. That's a perfect example. Perfect yeah. example. Because that, that goes hand in hand with that. How so? Yeah. I feel because, uh, you know, there are people who operate, they'll come to the firehouse and they'll operate in a certain way that they just have lived their lives. And that sometimes crosses other people's boundaries and they don't know it. And they just keep pushing it, keep pushing it. And then one day they get called into the supervisor's office and then they're getting written up or fired for something. Yeah. And it's like they didn't know because that boundary wasn't established. And if maybe that person who was offended or whatever made it clear, communicated it and and set that boundary boy, the whole, that's a whole new world. Yeah. That's a whole new world. So the boundary's clear. So that person can operate within that boundary. And then they respect each other's boundaries. And and there it is. And there's your team. Yeah. There's your trust. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great,
0: speaking of Brene Brown, uh, Brene Brown quote, clear is kind. Mm. Yeah. And it's, you know, about being a good teammate and a good, uh, you know, a good work companion and a partner, uh, It requires that that clarity of boundaries, and you know, if something's rubbing you the wrong way, you actually open up and have a conversation about it, and uh, that's such a such an important part of moving through issues, man. Yeah, that's that's good. So let me ask you this, so because we talked, you know, you and I talked before on your podcast about a little bit about mental health, and so we talk about wellness and this idea of you know having a crew, and in the fire service, we like to we like to have use dark humor as a vehicle for processing, yeah, right? Where does this idea of you know vulnerability and you know processing work
1: together? does it? Oh, absolutely, I feel like it absolutely does. I think um the first step in all of that is that you really have to admit to yourself that you might be struggling with something mm. you know, and that that's you fighting your own ego, really. I mean, yeah, that's the internal first step, and then boy, the 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 bravery it takes to reach out for you know type A personalities, you know, male or female, to reach out and be like, hey, I'm struggling with this thing. Like that's that could be a big hit to the ego, but again, that's vulnerability coming into play, and uh, that's gonna again, you said that handing someone bullets and trusting that they're not going to shoot you with them. Really? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Putting it out there that you, well, let's just
0: use a, uh, you know, you know, you so see, you go on a trauma and you, you know, you see some blood and guts and, you know, we're supposed to just you know, eat that stuff up for, right, you know, right. for breakfast. No big deal. Um, but if you see something and for, it can, the trigger can be almost anything on that yeah. incident, right? You never yeah. know what's going to get you. That's true. And for you to get back on a truck and go, bro, sister whatever i saw some shit and i was not prepared for it today yeah. and for whatever i don't know what it is i can't process this um that's an important first step agreed and uh and uh the relationship we have with our teammates and our you know our our company family if mm-hmm. you will mm-hmm. it's an important part of being able to process that if you don't feel comfortable I mean, you may not want to unload with them, but Mm -hmm. knowing that you can go to a therapist and have that conversation is another thing. Right. right. Allowing yourself to go get help. Mm -hmm. um, And those are huge, huge steps and very important part of um, taking care of ourselves. You know, I know you and and I've talked, you and I share the philosophy of total wellness. Mm -hmm. And when I think about uh, individuals wanting to be healthy and happy, you know, you can't carry around those burdens if that's mm. what your end goal is. Nope. No. Nope. You know? And how many people have you heard say, um, you know, my goal is to finish this career and be able to go enjoy my retirement?
1: Yeah. So like, what's it take to get there? Right. To achieve that goal? Yeah. And and what does that mean to them? What is What does it mean to enjoy your retirement? Does it mean sitting in your house and Netflix binging for the rest of your life? Maybe. Or is it <laughs> is it traveling the world? Is it doing, yeah. you know, is it doing all this other stuff? I saw your list of fifty things, <laughs> but uh, you know, and it all it all kind of comes down to what it means for them. And you talked about uh, processing incidents and and things that we see. And you know, going through EMT school, you get a little taste of of some of that because mm-hmm. you have your your textbook and there's some pictures in there, and it kind of kind of prepares you for what's coming. But when you work in the field, it becomes very real very quickly. Um, and then there was a, there was an incident that I was on. It was pretty tragic and it stuck with me for a long time. Uh, and I was, there was a certain trigger that would make me, would take me right back to that incident. Hmm. And I had to avoid that trigger until I could like work through in my mind that, you know, I was on that truck that day responding to that call at that time to be there, to do everything I could do. And did I do everything I could do? Yeah. And I had to like work through that whole algorithm to get to the point where I had to just accept how things were gonna be. And then now I see the trigger and it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me anymore. Does that thing come to my mind? Yeah, but I don't get freaked out by it anymore. And I'm not not Mm -hmm. like disturbed by that thing anymore. Yeah. So, it's that's, a process, man. That's something that's helped me stay really healthy.
0: And I just I just did a podcast with uh, Dr. Dara mm. and we talked about this a lot. And the thing that uh that I do or have done is I is I as I recognize that this emergency is happening mm-hmm. whether I'm here or not. Right. Yeah. And and I have been had the opportunity to be educated, to have a certain set of skills yep. to show up and help intervene right? And I think as a human being, I would want to help anyway, but because I have uh, some training, I'm a a better helper. Mm -hmm. So be a helper Mm -hmm. and jump in and and then realize that, man, this stuff's going on. No matter what's happening, the world is full of horrible things happening day in, day Day out, hour after hour, minute after minute, every second of the day. Something shitty is going on somewhere in the world. Well, what can you do about it? And I, and I, I take solace in the fact that I have my skills are perished, but <laughs> but I, at one time I had all kinds of great skills <laughs> that I could use to save, you know, to help rip somebody from the clutches of death. Yeah, right. And I think that's an important yeah.
1: uh, perspective to maintain. Well, and you took action, and the and the thing that's crazy is uh, that alone, understanding and accepting the fact that you take action or you took action in that incidence, and and I I talk with people. I'm on the peer support team, and mm-hmm. and I talk with people who are struggling with some of these things, and and there's a lot of guilt that people carry around a lot of guilt and and one of my one of my first questions is always did you take action in in that thing that, that you were called to yeah. well yeah i did this this and this and i'm like okay that that's more than enough man yeah. like that's that's so much more than the majority of people are doing if you think when you if you just think for a minute you drive you're driving down the highway and you see someone on the side of the road and they're fixing a flat tire, or whatever, how many people are driving past that person? Everybody's driving past <laughs> that person, you know? And I'm not saying that we all everybody need listening to this needs to stop and help that person. But what I'm saying is I can almost guarantee you that the people listening to this have stopped in that situation once. Right. You know what I mean? To stop to help.
0: Right.
1: And just taking that action is is more than the yeah. majority of the people out there, right?
0: And I feel like it's an it's an oversimplification, but you do this as a profession, mm-hmm. right? That says a lot about who you are and what you yep. bring to the table. Yeah. And and your your value as a human being. To me, that's some added value. You oh, get a little yeah. some bonus points because you are a person who is a helper. Yeah. You are willing to put yourself out there to to help other people. Yeah. That's a big deal, man. And I, you know, and of course, at the end of the day, for me, I look at our our mission and our purpose, right? And uh, as Simon Sinek would say, our why. Yeah. And you know, Bruno summed it up for me, which is it's about Mrs. Smith, right? We're mm-hmm. here to provide a service to the community, and I have always felt that to be such a value, and. Despite the horrible things that we see, yeah. um, we are providing a valuable service to the community. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. so with that being said, like let's—I want to—I want to switch gears just slightly because I know that you are feeding back into the fire service in a really valuable way, and um, I want to talk about that a little bit. So, let's talk about what you're doing with your podcast and the mission of that podcast, and you know, the physical and mental wellness component that you focus on. Um, by the way your website is super dope oh thanks man yeah it's really nice it made me feel shame <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like my podcast is or my uh, website is so stupid um, <laughs> oh, no. which i just don't just teasing it is stupid though let's be clear <laughs> it's uh it's just a dumb blog yours is dope um so uh ignited yeah ignited oh ff.com sorry yep. ignited ff i'll put a little note in the little link in the show notes for those who are seeking that out um and so tell me, tell me about that platform. How did you go, how did you decide or what took you down that path where you wanted to start giving back to the fire service in that way?
1: Okay. Well, um, initially I, I used to, let me rewind. I journal a lot. I've got like a lot of journals, a lot of planners. Right next to my bed, I think I've got like five different planners that I've got going at any given time, depending on the day and the thing that I'm, doing that day. I use that planner, but so I journaled a lot. And then I was like, well, why don't I just start a blog and I'll just kind of write down my musings. And if somebody out there can benefit from it, cool. And then I was like, well, this isn't really, I don't really feel like, I feel like it's getting lost in the, in the crowd out there. And, um, a buddy of mine started, uh, actually a very successful podcast and, He's doing very well with it and his movement is great. His, his core values are clear. He's very sharp and he, he's making a killing and he just is not just making a killing, but he's making a difference in the world today in something that needs to be paid attention to. And I was like, man, why don't I, why don't I do that? I'll start a podcast. I've never done that before. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no clue on like technology or software or any of that stuff. But as you know, sometimes you just gotta be vulnerable <laughs> and dive in. Start with the first you step. You just gotta ahead. dive in, man. Um, but back in 2017 is when like I really was interested in doing this blog and stuff because I read a statistic that our suicides in the fire service and in the and in the law enforcement community surpassed our line of duty deaths. And I was like, man, that is a crazy thing to think about. Um, and then the, the statistics were just kind of climbing and I'm like, man, there's gotta be something that needs to be done. Like people need to be talking about this stuff. And, and I immersed myself in some classes and, and that was at the point I became a peer fitness trainer or a, a peer support team member to help people kind of walk through this stuff. And I was like, how can I reach like a broader spectrum a broader audience? And that's when, I contacted my buddy and tried to get some mentorship about starting the podcast. And so that's what I did. And the podcast is focused on things that I can relate to in the fire service. But honestly, I feel like anybody coming from the outside in listening could benefit somehow. Mm. Um, So you don't have to particularly know like fire service jargon or lifestyle or any of that, but I think it could be a benefit to everyone. It's basically just like my signal fire that I've lit. And if somebody miles away sees it and they light their signal fire, it can kind of spread that way, you know? And and it's just basically having a conversation about those things that that we face, whether it's like insecurity, strategies for fitness, um, different search and rescue tactics. I just had Ben Dubin on from Tempe, and he's all about Wim Hof and breathing and, and cold plunge therapy, and just all these little different elements that are are influencing our our careers at any given moment. Uh, I try to just talk about all that stuff, and and I kind of make it for myself. My I, I don't have a whole a big attention span, and so like my episodes are typically like fifteen to thirty minutes when I'm flying solo. But when we have discussions like this, I just let it flow, and it typically goes for about an hour. Um, but uh, we talk about anything and everything. And honestly, my goal in it is to just start conversations, just start conversations like this one, and um, get people comfortable with talking about stuff, talking about difficult things, even talking about easy things. The more comfortable you get talking about easy things, <laughs> the the more comfortable they're going to get talking about the difficult things. Yeah. And you know, that's like even with my kids. I've got three kids. My oldest is 17. He's he's going to be getting his license soon. But even when he was young. I would just talk to him about everything. The smallest, simplest things. Hey, tell me about the video game you're playing or tell me about this. And the more I got my kids to talk about those small things, the easier it is for them to talk to me about those hard, difficult things. Mm. They they can just come right to me and talk about it because we've laid the groundwork for that thing. Yeah, that's um, a good point. But also, it's, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't have like a a mentor or holding hand, a guiding light to kind of lead me into the fire service other than that EVIT program, which again, unpaid sponsorship for EVIT, check (laughs) it out. But, um, uh, there was some good mentorship I got there, but at the same time, I didn't have an in anywhere really, you know what I mean? And a lot of people have the idea that you have to have an in, you have to know somebody and all all of this stuff to even get hired. Which is not the case. I am proof of that, but uh, yeah, same here. Yeah, and uh, but I wanted to provide that distal mentorship to those people who were seeking it. You know, if I had something like like that when I was searching and trying to find my way, I would have been eternally grateful. So I'm just trying to kind of give it back, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. The um, the thought that came to my mind when you were talking about that is that you know you mentioned that some of it wasn't really fire centric, mm-hmm. but I think that, um, we, as a, the fire service is such a, um, we're just a cross section of the society, right? Like there's yeah. so, we are such a diverse, uh, industry. Yeah. And so you know, all these topics, uh, transcend the fireground and, uh, can go with us forever. And frankly are applicable to, um, to a lot of folks. The thought, the thought that comes to my mind is, um, we talk about strategic decision making, right, mm-hmm. on the fireground as a company officer. You're trying to size up the event, make <laughs> some decisions about what you're going to do next, assess the variables, blah blah blah. How much risk is there, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know where we stole it from? Aviators. Yeah. Right. Aviators who the OODA loop and, and the decision making process that they use. Yeah. Well, guess what? Anybody can use that decision making process in their life. Mm-hmm. So having that conversation about tactics and strategies, uh, and and vulnerability and team building etc and those are conversations that are that are uh everywhere and and should be be being had at every kitchen table whether it be at the firehouse or in your home so mm-hmm. I love that you're that you're bringing that out so tell me about the uh i saw a link on your website that directs people to your
1: uh ignited firefighter recruit recruit academy yeah, yeah. it's a good time man i'm in the fourth this will be the third cohort of 2021 i just started this last week on Monday. So next week will be week two of it. But it's a six-week program, and I put together, again, to basically provide a a path for those looking to get into the fire service that don't really have any resources and don't really know how to start. Um, So I kind of took the ideas of what I thought I could benefit from on my journey starting out, and I built a program that, is uh, conducive to that. So like week one is all about learning about ourselves, you know, cause you can't really sit through an interview and, and tell and give answers and in depth unless you know who the hell you are, there's no way
0: that goes right back to our conversation in the very yeah. beginning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, uh, and so we, we, every week we focus on a different element. We, we, I include, I have like a 28 day uh, fitness program that's geared specifically towards firefighter functional movements that I built that's included with the program. Um, You can actually buy that on the website too, but I include that with this program because it's got to go hand in hand. Um, We have uh, interview labs that I do. We do over Zoom. Um, Sometimes we'll do like in-person interview labs or discussion roundtables, but um, it's basically all about how to refine yourself and get yourself in the right frame of mind to launch yourself into being the standout candidate for basically any fire department you test with, I've had people in the program from Canada, um, all across the U.S. I've had people from Australia, and I get messages coming back saying, "Oh, I implemented this thing, and I just got picked up." Like nice. I, I was, I was testing for this many months, and once I took your program and I changed some things about my interview and how I present myself, I got like three calls or whatever. And so it feels good, man. To, yeah, that's gonna to, feel real good. Yeah, to be able to like help them reach their goals and achieve their dream because that was my dream. This is my dream. Like I'm living my dream. It is awesome. I love what I do, and if I can help other people get to the point where they're loving what they do and they're quality people providing the service that you know we're fortunate enough to provide, then then that's just like icing on the cake for me. Oh, so. no, that's great, man. The uh
0: something else I found on your website which just tickled me to no end was you have a reading list. I do. I do. And I love that. So way back in the day when I was in the Marine Corps, the Commandant published a reading list. Oh, okay. And it was for all like there was a list for every rank. Yeah, yeah. So if you were awesome. if you were like the I love that idea. E- E nothing to E three. Yeah. There was a list for you, like for the junior most folks, and then the the non commissioned officers. There was a list, and commit on and on and mm-hmm. on, like senior commissioned, etc. Yeah, it was it was really amazing. And so when I saw your list, I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I've been thinking for a while there needs to be a uh, a fire service reading list, right? Yeah, that the uh, you know I don't know who's going to put it out. Someone needs to put it out. Maybe right? I'll, put, I'll put together one too. Let's do it. But yours was a great start, and I and. um um, so I looked at, I can't remember. I remember one book off there right now off the top of my head, but I wanted to hear what your favorite book on you put on there and they're listed numerically, but it says in no particular order, which I am like that. I don't believe you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so
1: what is your, what is your number one book off that list? If you remember? Oh man, there are so many good books and, uh, these, I, I should revisit the reading list because you got to update it. Yeah, I, I do. I yeah. got to update it. And, um, there's, there's one book in particular that, changed my way I mean they all really have changed my way of thinking Hmm. all of the books on there have have been life-changing for me Hmm. um so I I read a lot of books and I have a whole rating system and I'm like you know like (laughs) your own personal rating system yeah so like one star is I didn't even finish it two stars (laughs) is I finished it would never recommend it three stars is like I finished it I you could give or take four it's like I would definitely recommend and five stars for me is that it changed my life. That there is a concept that I left with mm. now that I have, that I will go for, moving forward in my life, I will have that in my back pocket. Okay. Um, but for me, oh man, they're all so good. <laughs> uh, Extreme Ownership was probably one of the number one reads that I've ever read. Yeah, that's a, and, good, that's a great book. Yeah. And uh, it's a big proponent of the core values and, and what I'm trying to do with Ignited. Um so I have three core values and it's action, ownership, and brotherhood. And these are the things that that drive pretty much everything I'm doing with Ignited. So you know, taking action in in your own life and in your own career and, and in your own progress, taking ownership of the taking ownership of the problems around you you know, never walking by a problem, uh, and inherently creating that brotherhood that will come as a result of that. But extreme ownership, man, uh, the stories that, that Jocko and and leaf talk about in that book are, I mean, it is, it is the thing movies are made of it. They have literally (laughs) made movies of these guys's, you know, adventures and exploits and stuff. And it, it's, it's just astounding. Yeah. What I love about that book, if, if you haven't read it,
0: um, my my, the the super brief synopsis, is <laughs> uh, Jocko was a Navy SEAL commander. He talks about their their mission to uh, Ramadi. Yeah, so, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. to Ramadi, and and they they take these different uh, elements that they found on the battlefield and the the leadership elements and life lessons learned. And then he paints those in the stories on these from these battles. So not only are you getting some cool war fighting battles, but you're also taking away these leadership lessons that can be applied at every corner of your life. Yeah, which is what kind of what I was kind of talking about before, which is that when we start talking about all the stuff you're doing with ignited fire, firefighter, it, the all those concepts, the lessons that we've learned in the fire service can be applied at any place in your life. Oh, totally, man. Yeah, totally. So, Um, so it's, it's such a, a a great concept. And I think it's so important to, there's a concept that I don't know if you, since you brought up Jocko, um, there's a book on my shelf right here about face written by Hackworth and Jocko talks about in his ramblings. Uh, he talks about, uh, the, uh, detach, detaching Mm -hmm. and, and stepping back from a problem and looking at the big picture. And that's exactly a concept that comes out of Hackworth's book, uh, in about face. He talks about, um, falling out of a fighting position and then now he can see the entire battlefield from his new position and because of that he can see what the enemy is doing and so I love that perspective right and for us no matter what problem you face in your life if you take the time to just step back from it detach from it emotionally give yourself a little bit of space and look at the whole problem Mm -hmm. and uh, and you're going to be able to you know Make some decisions, and I think this is really, really important on the fire ground. You know, we talk about firefighters getting the candle moths. Oh syndrome, yeah, right? yep. So being able to step back from the problem and see the big picture—such an important skill set. Yeah, and I love that. I think he talks about that in about or in oh, uh, in uh, extreme uh, ownership, uh, ownership, Does doesn't he? Yeah,
1: he absolutely does. Yeah. And and the the level of trust that all of that that simple principle created among his his squad, mm-hmm. among the you know the soldiers in general is, is astounding. It's just inherent. It's just a natural byproduct of that. But you talked about, um, time taking a moment, which kind of cycles back to the beginning of our conversation. So, uh, in about face, he talks about taking that moment. And as firefighters, we show up on a scene and we're charged with looking at what's going on, formulating a plan and then enacting that plan. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we don't take that moment, we are not going to be successful in that like at all because you're just going to have a bunch of clowns coming out of a clown car fumbling and tripping and looking like a bunch of idiots. It's that, it's that slow-down moment of time between 0 and 1, that, that infinite space between 0 and 1 that we have to like slow time down and make it relative for what it is we're doing, that we can exploit that and make our decisions within those little milliseconds and then we, we enact the plan, you know, then we execute. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's, it's like hand in hand, you know, just take that moment. And, and again, like you said, that principle can be applied to any, any part of your life, any yeah. career. Yeah. It could be applied to maybe I get too angry too quickly with my kids at home. I'm going to take that moment, step back, step <laughs> back take a breath ask do, myself why am i yeah. getting angry was the last What's cookie your... really that yeah <laughs> really that yeah important? let's be honest it is it's like <laughs> and it is damn it Nud. <laughs> uh so well, speaking of books what are you reading right now right now i've got i've got a little mini list going on um oh, you I, got multiple going at one time i do i do i am, I am notorious for that and it's kind of like one of those things that i dislike about myself but at the same time i can't help it um, I actually run a, uh, um, uh, a book club, the ignited readers foot, uh, ignited readers book club nice. on Facebook It's a club and it's all the people, uh, who want to read books together. And we, we just go in there and we discuss them in a forum. Nice. We just started Matthew McConaughey's green lights. I just finished that book. Did you, it was did great. you do the audio book or did you read it? I cheated. I went audio. Oh, that's awesome though, because it's, he reads it. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just learned that. I was like, yeah. man, maybe I'll, uh maybe I'll buy the audiobook just so I can so I can get him to talk to me. Yeah, you it's
0: know? he does a well needless to say, he does a great
1: job. It's written in his voice. Yeah. He reads it in his voice. It's a great memoir. Um, but yeah, I'm reading that uh I I have to make sure that I incorporate some fiction every now and then to kind of yeah. keep things interesting. So yeah. I uh one of my fa- one of my most favorite books was Ready Player 1. Oh, um, really? Yeah the book was phenomenal. I wasn't that big of a fan of the movie interpretation, but the book was phenomenal. <laughs> I was big into comic books when I was a kid, big into video games. So it completely spoke to me, Nice. but uh, I'm reading ready player two Oh, right now. It's the sequel. And then uh, what else do I have going on? Um, there's a book. Oh man, I can't think of the name. There's a book and it's all about, I think it's called creating a culture of good. I can't remember the authors. There's two guys, but they're talking about how to intentionally establish a culture where just good things happen. Hmm. And there's a lot that falls under that umbrella. So I'm still kind of sifting through it, but it's interesting.
0: Well, that's a man. That's an important concept, you know, because culture is the 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 product of what we're willing to accept in our organizations. Mm -hmm. And so, creating the right the right operational context and the right environment for good culture to exist, you know, I think you can take deliberate actions
1: and make that happen. So Yeah, it's like a science experiment, right? Like literally, if you were to take a petri dish mm. and put a culture in there and foster it, like you have to you have to do something. You gotta to feed it. it. Yeah. You can't just ignore it or else it'll like overtake or it'll turn sour or whatever. Mm. But yeah, it's it's a good one. Nice. Um, I'm gonna finish through that one and see how it goes. Well, let me
0: let me ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. See how these resonate. Do okay. it. Okay. What's Okay, so we touched on my my list of 50, you briefly oh, brought yeah, it up. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, if you haven't seen it, I put together a list of 50 things that I'm going to get done this year. Now, I wouldn't call it a bucket list because a bucket list is the broader list of, this, of things I'm going to get done before I die. Right. This is this year, right? I this realized happened within Yeah, I just turned 50 and I realized I'm running out of time, so <laughs> I am digging in, and there's 50 things that I that are low-hanging fruit that I'm going to get done right away. Nice. So, with that in mind, what is one thing you've always wanted to do but haven't done yet?
1: Oh man, go into the Louvre and and see the artwork with my own eyes. Nice. I actually took a trip there after I graduated high school. I took a whole trip of Europe, whole trip, Rome, all through Italy. Uh, all through France, England, Greece. I, I went everywhere. When I got to Paris, and I want, like, the one thing I wanted to do was see the Mona Lisa. I wanted to see it. I wanted to see these things. The workers went on strike that day.
0: Oh, dang.
1: <laughs> and so, bummer. The day I was there, they went on strike. Louvre was closed. Timing's everything. Timing is everything. You know when they opened up? The day after I left. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to go back there. And I need to see it. I need to go there.
0: Yeah. All right. But that's cool. All right. That, that's on my list too, on my big list. This year's list, we're going to Spain.
1: Nice. So I'm excited about that awesome. too. Awesome. You ever been there?
0: Nope. That's why it's on the list.
1: You're going to you're <laughs> gonna love it. That's true. That's true. That's why it's on the list. I didn't know if maybe you had been to different regions, but. Yeah. No,
0: I, no, I, okay. <clears throat> I have never been to Europe. Oh, okay. And I feel like, man, I'm. What the heck was I doing so far, right? You know, it's like a big working. missed opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, okay, it's I gotta start hitting that stuff awesome. up. Awesome. You're gonna love it. Okay.
1: Uh worst movie of all time. Why? <laughs> worst movie of all time. Oh man. You know how when you watch movies when you're a kid and you think they're fantastic, and then you watch them later and you're like, this is not holding up at all. <laughs> there was there was a movie that I used to watch a lot as a kid, and it was called The Explorers, and it was Ethan Hawke was in it. He was like a young kid, and they were these kids building a spaceship in their backyard, and they took it off to space and went on these adventures. And I thought it was the coolest thing when I was a kid. I watched it again. I was like, "This movie is Garbage. terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so bad. It's so yeah. bad. Never even heard of it. Yeah, That's how
0: horrible. Good, it is. good. <laughs> Keep it is, that way. My life's better for it. Yeah. All right. Different note. Favorite quote of all times. Ooh, favorite quote.
1: I kind of hinted at it earlier. Civilize the mind, but make savage the body. And it's a samurai proverb. I love that. I love that. It drives the majority of what I do. That's a great place to
0: stop right there. That is a wonderful quote. Ryan, where, uh, let's, uh, what's all your Instagram handles and all the all the social media stuff where people can find you.
1: So I tried to keep it as basic as I could. Uh, ignited FF everywhere. Twitter. Facebook that is that's straightforward right, right there. I love it. Uh Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm mostly active on Instagram, but I do a lot of interactive stuff on Facebook like I have the groups. Yeah. You know, I I I lead and facilitate the groups, the reading group. Um there's the Firefighter or the Ignited Firefighter podcast Facebook group which if you want to join, it, I mean all of the groups are free and the whole point is to just get dialogue going. Yeah. Talk about the things we talk about on the show. If you want to contribute some ideas and talk about different things, throw them my way. You know, just bouncing ideas off, sharing experiences, and and building the brotherhood. So that's awesome. Yeah. And then I think you mentioned the website earlier, ignitedff.com. Beautiful. Yeah. You can get my reading list there.
0: That's right. Ryan, <laughs> thank you, brother, for sitting down and rapping with me, my friend.
1: Yeah, man. Always good. I appreciate it. Thanks Any for fun, hosting final me. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Just. Man, if you see a need, own it, take action, and be the firefighter you would want on your crew. Love it.
0: That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. If you're enjoying this podcast, get over to whatever platform you like to listen on. Subscribe. This podcast will drop in the middle of the night when you least expect it. Additionally, get on over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the podcast. Feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, Any feedback that you provide is valuable for me in helping us build this product to be more uh, in tune with what you want to hear. Lastly, take the lessons that you're learning here from the people that are sharing their knowledge, imbue it into your life. Remember, there are no shortcuts. So let's go on out there and get some.